This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Why don't we cover it all? Nate Tice is here. We're going to start with a little bit of national championship quarterback draft talk. Put what these teams mean, all positions, not just quarterback, offense and defense. Uh, what this championship game, this playoff means about the upcoming NFL draft. Um, we did not mean to go deep down that rabbit hole, but we did because I asked about Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy and off to the races. We went. Nate Tice is fantastic on all all things. And then we actually talked about the thing we're here to talk about today, which is the all impressed me team. Um, the guys who popped for us, whether they're superstars who kept it going, whether they're uh, middling guys who saved their career, uh, we name a bunch of guys. I really enjoyed this. Here's Nate. All right, Nate Tice is here, old buddy of ours. You know him from the Athletic Football Show. You know him from Yahoo, where his columns are must-reads. What is going on, brother? Not too much. That was a, a great preliminary discussion. Uh, I feel like our most of our conversations have been recently, you know, off-air, have been our our sons. We are we are son-dad brothers. Like that, that, we're, that's boy, we're. we're boy dads, which is, I don't think, a thing. No, it's not. Um, we're in a robust group chat with Mina Kimes called Boy, what is it called? Boy it's Boy Life or something? Boy Life? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. Know. Know what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, um, something and, boy related. I didn't name it. You didn't name no, it. No, did not. So somebody else named it. Did not. Um, Solak, I think, will be joining Parent Corner here in a couple of months. Yes. Um, that's something to watch. Solak, the dad. He's been making dad jokes for a long time. He has a lot of dad tendencies, so he'll fit right in he'll probably be on this show shortly speaking of um you guys both like to watch college quarterbacks you do this national championship game on yes. monday michael Penix is what he is aggressive <laughs> <laughs> so but no but like what would you do what wh where, where do you feel comfortable two acls the age yeah. Um, he can, I mean, he can move in the pocket, although JJ McCarthy is much better. His actual numbers are much better under pressure than Michael Penix's. Yeah. Um, but what, what is he as a prospect? If you're watching Monday night with an NFL lens, it's, that's what a lot of people are trying to determine. He came into the season thought of as like a day three guy and then has grown into a day two guy through sheer production and sheer how mm -hmm. he has put, what he's put on film. It's something you can't deny. Yes, you can say it's a, a very fun offensive system. How much of it translates is interesting because some throws do and some throws don't it. He has multi, many talented weapons, two potential, one for sure first rounder, a potential second, another day two guy. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, though, is that he has performed in the biggest moments against Oregon in the Pac-12 mm -hmm. championship game, now in the first game against Texas in the college football playoff. And all he's done is just put it, put it up. Uh, throw that ball in aggressive tight windows and make real aggressive throws that translate to the NFL. And that's what I think a lot of evaluators, including me are trying to weigh is, is it, uh, do I weigh the first 20 ish games I've watched this guy at, right. at Washington or these last couple of games, the four or five games. And I've, or I've heard the CJ Stroud comparisons with he did against, uh, against Georgia last year, but it's Georgia. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like, yeah, but that he's showed stuff before that. So that that's something we're, we're trying to determine to me. He is quarterback four. And that is, if you asked me a month ago, he was quarterback six. And I'd say just mm -hmm. this performances that he's put up against the best defenses in, in making real throws and improving on stuff that I was hoping he would improve upon. Is it too little mm -hmm. too late? I don't think so because he's doing it now. So it, the offseason questions are going to be the age, going to be the injury stuff, and that will, you know, It'll, it'll play out. But right now, I don't consider him a true first rounder, but I do consider him quarterback four, which to me is more of a late second round grade that would get inflated. So quarterback three is who? Uh, Gene Daniels. 
from LSU. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. But I just want to make sure because we've had we had Jordan Reed on the show a couple months ago. He was saying that JJ McCarthy was going to get in the conversation. He would definitely is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I think he's probably dropped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. it's just that his. I, I hope he goes back for another year, just because he has to put more out there. It's just that he. Mm. Uh, it's there's just not a lot of tape. They don't have to throw the ball with him, and so that's why you only can determine twelve plays a game that translate and that you're trying to come from. So he's just a very tough evaluation. And then Bo Nix is another one that's kind of in that kind of quarterback forward discussion, at least the general quarterback forward discussion. So that kind of three are going to really kind of be battling it out. It seems like. I want to ask you a question you may not be equipped to answer. I love asking questions you're just not prepared for to just get a totally half-baked answer. That's what's called being a good host. Look it up. (laughs) Journalism students of the world. Um, No, it it was interesting, and I've said this on a couple of shows this week. Washington, zero five-stars. Alabama has more five-stars than the entire Big Ten Conference. And normally, normally, um, over the past, let's say, 150 years, that translates into NFL guys. And the way Michigan has recruited has translated into some, but not a ton of NFL players. Just the way they, you know, just if you're not doing top five classes, you're not getting a steady stream of, of, of recruits. That's 150 years of data on that particular issue. Having said that, Michigan has, according to PFF's draft board, 15 guys who are going to be drafted this year, which is astounding. Right. And I'm curious when you watch this Michigan team, they're doing what that's producing and developing because everybody says like the number one cope in college is oh when you don't get us when you get a two-star because you're because you have a bad recruit everybody goes oh yeah we'll watch the tape and we'll develop these guys and it's like well you know who else can develop them kirby and nick who have the <laughs> yes. best players in the country they're also going to develop yes. but it seems like michigan has some sort of secret sauce in development i know the coaching advantage obviously yeah. the coach the coach borrowing scheme from the ravens really helps yes. um but I, I'm, I'm just curious when you watch michigan as what amounts to a special nfl factory you're seeing what uh well a lot of the scheme does translate you talked about the coaching yeah. and stuff obviously hard Harbaugh's NFL background and everything, but they run real I formation runs. And like, yes, the NFL has gone away from I formation runs, but it hasn't fully gone away. So, but it's something it's, it's, it's nice when you can see the day one, quote unquote, install plays. And you can go like, how does this mm-hmm. guy do on this play that everybody runs as opposed to just this wacky RPO that you only see in college over and over. And so mm-hmm. I think it's that, I think Ben Herbert, their strength coach, um, it is oh. worth every dime. Only reason I could drop that name is he was the strength coach at Wisconsin when I was there. So I, I know that one. Like you do look, you look a little doughy. Oh uh, ever boy. Since him. So, oh, no, so, so doughy. You know. Same. He obviously worked a miracle. Oh, right. He obviously worked a little bit of a miracle. It's like, Hey, yeah. you got to start drinking Miller White. Bush White's not doing it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, but no, I think the scheme stuff does. You just mentioned, Oh, the, it's a lot like yeah. the Raven scheme. Okay. I, I get to watch this safety come down in this def- defense that I, I also run on yeah. Sunday if I'm a coach watching that. So it's easier easier for them to translate. They're taught in that way as well. They practice in that way. I think that's how they install plays. So I think these guys are kind of quote unquote trained to be more professional. And if they have some decently recruited guys, it's like they still have room to grow potentially too. So it's that nice balance. And when you win games, you got more eyeballs on you. And so maybe some guys get inflated as well. I think that's also a part of it too. But I think it's just the, the coaching comes down to it and that translates the best. Somebody in that orbit told me a great nugget, which is that NFL-style pressures terrify, terrify college quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. It's the last thing they want to see. And so if you have some sliver 
of pro pressures in college. And you can't run the same stuff. You can't disguise it like you can in the NFL when these guys are 29 years old and can, can throw everything on their plate. But if you just throw a little bit of a complicated pressure at them, offensive coordinators are going to be like, I, I right. rage quit. I give up. I'm not going to do this. And, and and Michigan is capable of that because of the threshold in the coaching staff. Just There's just talent there. There's it coaching is. talent there. It is. Yeah, that's absolutely it. I, I thought the best performances from Monday – were Penix and the Michigan defense coordinator. <laughs> yep. I, I thought those two, yep. those two had the best days. Uh, and I, I think that's why people rave about him and why he'll probably be a name that shoots up, uh, Jesse Minter. And I, I think, yep. no, but what you're talking about is something Jim Leonard's touched on and how he said it was kind of fun to be, you know, down up Rex Ryan blitzes in the big, yeah. in the big 10 and, or just rushing forward and keeping the running back in protection. Like they, yeah. um, I, I, I always come back to what Chip Kelly said when he got back into college and he said, you know, the thing that struck me about the NFL, it's so situational. And yeah. that is, and now I think college has gotten way better at being that there's definitely more merger between NFL and college. It feels like as far as scheme wise, but I, I think that they, I think that because of those blitz stuff, it's like not only just the quarterbacks, offensive lines, look at Alabama, mm -hmm. Uh, trying to sort out anything that any game, any simulator creeper pressure, which is where you rush for, but it seems like a blitz. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just messing. Anytime Alabama went to empty, which is this, they should usually have a plan. No, they didn't have a plan for what Michigan was doing. And I think that's what it is, is you have to have a plan. These guys have six games under their belt, 12 games. They just took a final two weeks ago. They're not an NFL guy <laughs> who's getting like several yeah. coaches breaking down this specific thing. And then they work out and study at it all the entire week. So I, I think that's what it is. It's just like, that is just advanced four or one level stuff being in the big 10 sometimes against these guys that are two stars with eight, eight throws under their belt. Yeah. And also, and I don't want to harp on this, but it is, you know, national championship game in a couple of days. I said some fine bomb yesterday and it's, it's something I came up with on the spot, but I want to expand on it here. Like modern college football is so portal heavy that, 15 years ago, Michigan's defensive end going against J.C. Latham, an IMG product, stud stud tackle, just declared for the draft yesterday. That's not going to be a fair fight, typically. Typically. You'd have to really hit on a local talent in the right. Midwest, and you'd have to develop, and you have to give him the weight room, all that stuff. Tell you what you can do. Go get the Coastal Carolina transfer, right. which is who backed him up into Milrow in that last snap. And that's what's interesting to me is, like, that's how the recruiting gap is closing. Yeah. We'll, we'll see it on Monday night. I'm intrigued to see it. First modern college football championship game. We'll go from there. All right. That's now what we're here to though. do. We're here to do all unbelievable point though. That, yeah. That's so good because that, the the transfer portal is the, that's the edge. That's the money ball. Obviously, it's obviously, it's but it's like, do it right. It's free agency. Get a, basically a pro but, scouting, scouting staff to start working and finding guys to fill your gaps. I don't want FSU people to get mad at me, but FSU, I, I, I kind of think when you watch the orange bowl, it was by 60 points. Yeah. It shows you how surgical they were at using the portal to fill the gaps. Yeah. They did not – Mike Norvell did not recruit high school well enough the first, whatever, three or four years that he was there. And so they go out and they get Keon Coleman and Jared Verse, Brandon Fisk, and even Jordan Travis was a, was a Louisville transfer, but obviously a, a different era because it was, it was four years ago. Um, but they went out and they said, we don't have the talent. Let's go get the talent. Yeah. And you can't and, – and you can do that by scouting Western Michigan and yes. Albany and all of these different yes. places. So that's – it's the great equalizer and it's changing two nuggets. We're, we're in a good rabbit hole here, so I'm not – I actually do want to stay on this. The two nuggets I have – I talked to someone over the summer uh, – uh, a person we all we all the name we would know, but I can't tell you who. Um, and and I said, what is the transfer portal changing? And they said, number one, kids don't get de-recruited anymore. 
So you used to go into Georgia and Alabama, and the first thing they would say is, you are a five-star, you're the worst player on this team. You are the worst player, you're, go, go, you know, not hazing, but like, you know, just, you, you are a- Know your place. Do not speak here. Do not speak here. You're a pleb. And, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. And you can't do that now no. because one of every three kids might say, mm, right. yeah, I, about that. I'm going to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Shane Beamer. He was nice. I'm going to go to South Carolina now. That's just the way it yeah. is. So you're getting, you used to be able to establish yourself as a coach who would take these prospects and, and de-recruit them. I'm not saying Saban and Kirby in particular. I have no, oh, it, no. they're just, we're speaking in generality. It's a common so thing. Say, obviously, yeah. Kirk, uh, it's just a thing that happens that they say is happening less than. Now, the other thing is that sometimes now draft prospects, they've noticed, come in asking a little more questions of kind of a what can you do for me thing. Yep. This is something I've heard where maybe in the last two or three years, a guy who's transferred twice is used to sitting down and saying, how do you plan to use me, et cetera, et cetera. What can you do for me? I like the opportunities. And the scouts and the coaches and the GMs kind of say – that's not really what this, that's not really what this is. We're not going to, we're not going to like pitch you on this. Yeah. Now you could, like Pete Carroll famously used to send pamphlets for undrafted free agents. That's pitching. Yeah. But they said they've noticed it that a little bit. Now on the flip side, one thing I think everybody loves is that quarterbacks now get to go to a system that they th- can thrive in. Yes. They can get the opportunities. Matt Castle would not have to be a project. He would have just gone and played at Cal. He, right. well, I guess not then. But yeah, somewhere about that. Yeah. Cal back then. <laughs> Say Arizona in State. theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arizona State. Wait, wow, Andrew Walters. Like, really, oh, really dang, going right, Andrew Walters. Right? Like Rudy Carpenter. Oh, uh, no, no. But, but Matt Castle, after three years, would have said, okay, I'm going to go play right. at Texas A&M and just see how that goes. So it's changing literally everything about evaluation. Yes. yes. And also those quarterbacks that might have declared for the draft are now transferring like a, like a guy, like our, our mutual quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, our, mm. our, our Eskimo quarterback. They, uh, but, 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 <laughs> but, but, but <laughs> beep that out, but no, with, uh, yeah. no, but I, I think that was so interesting too, is that there's so many of these uh, guys, there's a big glut in the middle uh, prospects this year. Uh, some of the guys we've yep. already talked about were part of that, but a lot of day two ish, early day three type guys as far for the draft. And it feels like to me, a large majority of them are going back or transferring because either NIL or because yeah, the transfer portal stuff. And I, I think that's actually pretty good. Or you get a guy like Cam yes, Ward. Sport. Um, yeah, it does. It helps college and it helps and actually helps these guys get developed. I mean, Jane Daniels mm-hmm. has now gotten two years at LSU and look at him now. I like kind of mm-hmm. like them at Arizona state. Okay. Interesting day three guy Penix as well gets another additional year of course he has the injury stuff as well but i I think some of these guys benefit for everything you're saying is that they are becoming smarter and understanding Mm -hmm. not only their value dollar wise but their potential value and what can help them it used to just be agents you know or or Mm -hmm. you know their buddy or the player that already went through the cycle or went through the draft or went through Mm -hmm. a, a transfer and it used to be tough and you couldn't go to this conference or couldn't go to these schools. And some of those schools were the best schools that you could have gone to. So I, I think I absolutely what you're saying. I think it's, I don't know, for me as a neutral person that just does the draft and enjoys college football, it's like, all right, 
both products are kind of getting better if it goes right and also makes guys work. It sounds like to me, like everything you're just kind of shaping out. It sounds like college coaches have to work. <laughs> and I, I think they're going to like, that's what the money's for. Yes, exactly. We pay yeah, it's seven like that's figures. Not, everyone's like, oh, this is, oh, this is so probably, well, these coaches are going dude. through it. Oh, cool. They're making $9 million. That's like any coach out, that so, goes, so oh good. man, they're getting after me. I'm like, yeah. And you, you can yeah. do the Woody Harrelson meme, Woody Harrelson meme, wipe your tears away with money. It's like that. that's why they pay you seven figures or eight figures to do that the other thing is somebody was saying this the other day because kirby after the orange bowl said uh i everybody needs to see what happened here the four state of the opt-outs is uncompetitive game and somebody said well this is going to change things kirby saying that's like let me tell you something i've been around competition committee meetings i've been around nfl owners meetings for over a decade you know this more than anybody no one who makes decisions cares what coaches think no not one person. Nope. Not one person. I think all they do they're is look at the ratings. They're, they're like, after the 2011 CBA, the coaches are ready to storm the league office yes. of the practice rules. And they said, that sounds good, but we you know, got this labor deal done because of it. So we'll <laughs> take it easy. Notice See you no, later, buddy. So there's, there's not really, you ever hear about a coach's union too much. It's a player's yeah. union and owners. Uh, yeah, yeah. The coaches are the middlemen. <laughs> coaches don't have much set. If you let, <laughs> let me tell you something, a, a coach run league would be terrible no be it, no it would be you good short-sighted you do not want no, to say it'd be patchworked it, yeah no you don't want that so short-sighted uh, that no you do not my father is a coach i used to be a coach i have several uncles yep. that are coaches yes you do you do not want that <laughs> yeah. i'm a long time madden coach so i know i know we're kind of kind of the same all right more with nate tice after this Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, we're doing all impressed me team. I love this. Um, I want to just kind of shout out some guys, frankly. Love um, this. 
And, and, and I don't, we could take it anywhere we want. I have different kind of scenarios. I have one player, one GM, one coach. I like that. Um, you can take it wherever you want to. The floor is yours. Your first all impressed me guy. Yeah. And this is kind of a tag team champ, which is kind of fitting. Uh, it's the it. Cardinals offenses, offensive and defensive oh. coordinators, Drew Petzing and Nick Rollins. Oh. Yes. A little tag team champ here. They are not highly rated in any statistical category, nope. but they are up there in the fun meter. And I think they are building something in Arizona. I'm very interested to see what they do this offseason because with spare parts and a whole bunch of nobodies and, and a little bit of Kyle, half a season of Kyler Murray and a little bit of Buda Baker, uh, mm-hmm. you got the, some offenses. The offense under Petsing is doing the meta, I would say. They are on top of anything that is the edge in the NFL right now as far as run game and pass game. Mm-hmm. And I think Nick Rollis, their defensive coordinator, who is not even 30 yet, is just is a junk ball pitcher because they had nothing but Buda mm-hmm. Baker and how he would try. They they're the team that brings the most simulated and creepers. They bring blitzes. They front run every type of defense you could think of because they're trying stuff. And I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of offensive coaches just go, "Yeah, it was a pain. They we got them, but it was a pain." This game against the Eagles was kind of their magnum opus of, of the year, and I think it's fitting. That was not a mistake. Uh, but I just wanted to shout out those two because I think those two are ones to watch, and I think the Cardinals are a team to watch pretty soon because they're doing some fun things. Sure. So um, I love that. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball yeah. there uh, with Drew Petzing. He comes from Stefanski's tree. Yes. He worked in Minnesota before he worked in Cleveland. He was a guy who I think to us, I think we all know people in that uh, coaching tree yeah. and they were saying this guy's this guy's next yeah. up. Um, and I'm curious with Kyler playing a slightly different style than maybe some of the kind of Kubiak coaches or, or whatever you want to call yeah. it you know Stefanski Stefanski's by the way been in a bunch of different it's offenses in Minnesota. that was one of the I mean that was that was one of the things that that he was able to to glean I mean obviously I think there was a couple didn't a few years ago they they declined his uh, OC candidacy in New York did that happen yeah I think so or something like that yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a uh, technically like, a sidestep yeah. yeah yeah not a promotion yeah but anyway uh, one of the good things was that he was exposed to a bunch of Everything. different offensive coaches by by staying yes. there in in Minnesota. Um, and so I'm curious, uh, a guy like Drew Petzig who came through Stefanski's wing um, and then all the play action guys besides that, he's running what kind of style with Kyler? Uh, smorgasbord. Uh, but it is, it is definitely, <laughs> I, I will call it pro style because it is a greatest yeah. hit offense. But I, I'll give you one stat to show you the difference. Um, over Kyler's first uh, part of his career with Cliff Kingsbury as offensive play caller in Arizona, he was under center only, uh, never under center more than 5% of the time. Mm. This past game against the Eagles, he was under center 40% of the time. And mm. that is just one twist. And that sounds a little minor difference, but think of Kyler, think of what he was at Oklahoma. Think of him as a pro that is gun, spread it out and chuck it. They are using two tight ends. They are using a, a decent amount of motion, creative uh, and some creativity with it in the run game and pass game, but it's more of a two tight end set and using that uh, Trey McBride and Kyler have a real chemistry. Michael Wilson, their young, uh, their rookie receiver has some moments. He had some bad moments mm-hmm. too. He caused a pick six, but he also had a touchdown, but I would say they just run what's working right now. What I, I call the meta, their run game is diverse, but they uh, major in duo, which is an at you run game. And then their pass mm-hmm. game has play action, has drop back, has screens. It has all the stuff that's kind of working. Um, and some of the bootleg stuff they do is the the new twist that good offenses are doing. So it's I, I think if I had to give you one line after I just gave you a thousand of them, it's the good stuff. I, I think is that that, that <laughs> they found the good place. They found the good place, which is so fun. I, I mean it. And I, I, I don't want to make it that simple, but they are running the good place in 2023. What you should be running. 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to make one plea real quick yes. because after Gannon and before that with Dan Campbell, stop judging head coaching hires yes. based on the demeanor of press conferences slash social videos. Even Sirianni. Even Sirianni. Yes. Yeah. The only one this works for is the Gase Jets one. Oh, what? That was and real, we had prior. That was real bad. We have yeah, we had some data points. Some yeah, we had some tape on Gase. We had, we had some, some tape. tape. We had some reps. We had, some reps. We had six games on, on him. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and we had a nice little database. We had a we had, we had a file. We had a file. Uh, on. Um, but uh, we got to stop doing that because now at this point, no, like, here's a guy who I thought I actually what I thought was funny about the Gannon thing wasn't the wasn't the Rondell Moore thing. It was that. It was that if you watch the full video, and I did, I think I was on fraternity leave, what a sicko. Just hold on, hold on, Teddy. I'm watching the full Gannon cut. It was that you could tell if he liked a guy or not, I think a little bit by how he like hugged them, greeted them. Cause there were like a couple guys who I didn't know yeah. who came up to him and was like, oh, I'm so-and-so. And Gannon was like, oh, okay. And then kind of moved on. And I was like, uh, I bet that guy's not. I bet that guy's not going to make it. And then a couple months later, I was. Like, they make the tape. It was pretty one to one. So that was actually the funnier thing. But the Rondell Moore thing, like he was just trying to connect with That's a it. guy, and he's a little bit. Not everybody is, you know, not not everybody's the coolest guy in the world. No. Just doing a little. And have you and again? Turn, everybody, everybody's one bad hand mannerism away oh. from becoming Michael Scott. And I love the people that make fun of it. Like they they would do better. Uh, but it's like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, I agree with that. I pushed back. That, like, that happened to me. That happened to me with Justin Thomas, the golfer. Oh, I, I was introduced to him. Okay. And I was busy. I was doing a million different things at once. Yeah. And I was introduced to him in the Super Bowl, and I just started trying to make conversation. And I just, I am a very good small talker, social situation. You're fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, I can, I can attest to that. I just totally blanked with Thomas. I just totally blanked with Thomas. I've done that. And I had nothing. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, well, I golf. Well, yeah, he's a lot better than me. Oh, I play some nice courses. He plays nicer courses. I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I have nothing. Do here. you remember when he won so that I one said, tournament? <laughs> yeah. And so it was all going to be the Chris Farley show. <laughs> That's I it. Talking to him. So I was just like, how are you enjoying the Super Bowl, man? And he was like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool. So then by the grace of God, Ian Rapport comes here. Ian Rapport golf sicko. He walks up and I say, Oh, you two should know each other. And then I and then they talk, and I'm sure Ian did a much better job than me. And I just left. I've never had that before or since. More famous people than Justin Thomas, more awkward situations. For some reason, I just looked at Justin Thomas and, and then, I became Dwight Schrute. <laughs> I've only had that my only like celebrity one would be Gene Hackman. I uh mm. but it was almost it almost came off good. It almost came off in a good way. Uh, a lot of people. I was at a, a team party. I was young. I was in college, but it was a. It was the, my dad was with the Jaguars, so they have mm. a Christmas holiday party every year. And Gene Hackman and his friends, by some way, shape, or form, with Jack Del Rio from their U, his USC days, uh -oh. and uh -oh. he was at the party. Very nice guy. Very, but a lot of those coaches, you know, being. Um, of their age group were asking about Superman and asking about all these old movies and, and uh, that he's been in. And I didn't say a word. I want to talk about Royal <laughs> Tenenbaums. I, but I didn't yep. say a word. Guess who Gene Hackman probably didn't say much to me, but like kind of gravitated towards was like, I'm going to hang out with the 20 year old kids, not saying a word to me because he like, and then like, we didn't say, we said like five words. I think he liked Vince Young. I think that was like my, the one conversation we had, but it was like, that's my lack of small talk worked to my benefit because he was like, 
I'm not going to hang with those coaches that want to ask me hundred questions. I'm going to hang with the 20 year old kid that probably doesn't know who I am. I didn't know who you were, but it was just that I, I just knew I had nothing to say to you. I had nothing to bring to the table. Hi, I'm a backup quarterback in yeah. college. Like, what am I going to say? Gene Hackman. Are you kidding? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to do my first one. Nick Casario. Okay. So one of the reasons that, and all mine are, are vaguely famous, and Casario being one of them, but all of them made me look stupid, which I think is the most important part of the impressive, all-impressive team. And the reason that I thought that Casario made me look stupid, I think this was a lot of people. For me, it was, why is this team accelerating the timeline by trading up for three? I understand taking two, getting the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah. Great. By the way, there was a ton of smoke of that not being – Stroud. Like it was funny how that like one and two kind of regressed to the mean where it was like, oh, it's going to be last two Julys ago. We we're like, it's going to be Bryce Young and CJ yeah. Stroud. And then we went through a whole season, Dude. whole draft thing. Oh, it's going to be Will Levis. Oh, it's going to be this guy. And it's like, oh, cool. It was the thing we thought. My editor at the Athletic awesome. made fun of me. He goes, I feel like every every quarterback check in you've done has been the same. I go, that's all we got. <laughs> so that's this, all we got. This is it. <laughs> that's all we got. Um, and I love like the mock drafts are like Caleb Williams is going ninth. It's like, I promise you he's not. I, I, I promise you he's not. I promise you he's not um, <laughs> So Casario accelerates the timeline with Will Anderson. He improves, and Tank Dell, obviously, and, and obviously CJ Stroud. But then he kind of professionalizes the roster. He goes out and he gets a bunch of different veterans. None of them were home runs I mean, they still need a wide receiver one and hopefully they'll be able to i mean we'll see what the franchise tag situation is but but hopefully go out and get a number one style receiver they certainly have the cap room but he went out and he got a bunch of professional football players and all of a sudden they're winning really quickly and the D'Amico ryan's hire was phenomenal um and and i've i've i think that there are guys who and you know this you ask around the league at who impresses them when you go up against them and I think a lot of times coaches have a better view than players because players could just have one good game or, right. or whatever, some technique. OCs hated going against D'Amico Ryans, hated it. And, and, and the one thing that always sticks in my mind is when I was doing that story on the Cincinnati, on how teams defend Cincinnati differently and they have to change their offense around, is the Bengals offense, offensive coaches were like, they played, the, the Bengals played the Niners two years ago. And the Niners basically invented a Tampa 2 scheme on the fly. And they got out there and they were just like, what are we looking at right now? Because this is not the Niners defense. Um, and and they're like, what that to install a new defense for Joe Burrow is pretty phenomenal. And so that had always stuck in my head. And then I still didn't see it coming. I still didn't see it coming that they were going to be this good this quickly. Um, I just love what this Texans team has been able to do. And I think it shows you, I, I've, I've said this before, but if you don't have a proof of concept by the end of year two on your build, a lot of times I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Right. And maybe I'm being reductive or whatever, but like to go out and this quickly in what amounts to year one, be this good. I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, a sign of a rebuild d d done. Right. And yeah. also I think a lot of times we go, Oh, what lessons can we take? Well, the lessons take CJ Stroud, but like not everybody can do that. <laughs> right. It just shows you what's possible year over year. Yeah. And even the defense like that still needs pieces. Like they, they're, outplaying what they are right now which yep. is again a testament to him i i i thought the the ryan's game was the cowboys playoff game but from two years ago also and the, and i believe they played the packers the week before and uh um and those two games like you're saying they invented kind of a game plan -y game plan a weekly yep. game plan like truly usually teams are carrying over a lot and then this is why i always love yeah. steve spagnola is he's one of the best 
week to week game players once playoff time mm-hmm. comes. And that's what he's one of the best at. And it, it's funny because usually his stuff is very much, I know what you're about to run and you get, and we still can't beat it because they're so well coached. And that that's the thing is he can get to either, he can wear either hat, which is just so scary. So I love that one. I, I, I was going to say a shout out to CJ Stroud. I felt like that one was a little too easy, a little too shooting fish in the barrel because he's freaking awesome. And, and because we were, we spent two weeks asking if he should be an, MVP candidate. It's unbelievable. Right. Um, I also I also say the Will Anderson trade up, I also thought was rich, but might ended up being end up being okay because this edge class, not only Will Anderson was my pick for defensive rookie of the year, uh, but also mm-hmm. this edge class coming up is not very strong at the top. And you can't really find a guy like Will Anderson. So it's like, all right, all right, I can justify it a little bit more, especially, but now they have their star on offense, their star on defense. And I mean, it, it just looks good right now. So I'm excited to see what they do. All right. Yep. But, All right. Who's your next guy? Okay. So hmm, I have a couple ones here, but I'm going to go instead of Stroud, I'm going to go Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. Ooh, yeah, hell yeah. Because I love the laser show he puts on every week. And and I really like this Packers team and the baby cheese heads and just the game, their game plan stuff as well is really good. Yep. But Love is what you want at quarterback right now. He is, he's pushing the ball. He's changing arm angles. He's creating throws, creating throwing lanes, has athleticism to scramble and everything. He looks like a top 10 guy. Um, he, he looks awesome. That, then that offense is like a top five passing offense right now. So I, you said proof of concept. It's like, this has come, this is everything you wanted to hope as a Packers fan and probably everyone in that Packers organization, what they're seeing from Jordan Love in this offense. Okay. So, we get a LaFleur offense that is a little bit of a hodgepodge yeah. because Rodgers loved the McCarthy concept yes. and LaFleur was humble enough to say, sounds great, mm-hmm. dude. Um, and I think he earned a lot of respect in that Shanahan tree because he was open to that to say, okay, yeah. these are the 10 best Mike McCarthy plays and Rodgers wants to run them and we're not going to put a square peg in a round hole. Um, having said that, that's no longer the case. The LaFleur offense is what, Nate? Oh boy, it is well coached. It is a uh, a play action heavy, um, a motion heavy formation changing at the snap kind of just grab bag offense. Again, another greatest hits types offense. That's what I've always liked about Lafleur. Uh, but I would say the best things about it is it's aggressive. It's it's very down the field, which I, I it links up with their quarterback and also just that you're their man. Like last week against the Vikings was clinic tape of how to handle Brian Flores' defense and just to all the all the blitzes that Flores brings. They got so creative with how they use protection. So really, maybe the word is or the phrase is the one liner, the how you sell this in an ad, the elevator pitch uh, is that it's sound and creative. And I, at the same time, mm-hmm. and I, I think I, it's awesome. And I think it's so much more down the field and over the middle than Rogers wanted to do at the end. Mm-hmm. And also it just helps having so much more juice at the receiver position with some of these young guys. So it's, yeah, it's aggressive, sound, creative, and fun. I couldn't tell in the last year of Rogers, what was the thumb injury? What was him just missing deep throws? I mean, that was yeah. the thing that frustrated me so much at the beginning of the season, certainly. And I still get frustrated with it with our offense now is like, LaFleur is not afraid to take deep shots on really like fourth down. Oh yeah. Loves it. Like fourth and He's two. He's addicted to it. He loves that. <laughs> yes. I'm always just like trick plays, double yards. passes. He yards. loves it. Get the two. Matt, get the two yards. He loves Come on, dude. It. Just get, get the fucking two yards. Um, all right. Uh, I, I love that. Obviously I'm a, I'm a, a LaFleur stand. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think, and, and this is something I said, this is my piece two years ago about him. Like, 
if it was easy to win back-to-back MVPs with Rodgers and win 13 games every single year, guess who would have done it? Mike McCarthy. Yes. He didn't do it. Um, all right. So I'm going to shout out, and maybe this maybe this is like the cousin of the CJ Stroud shout out <laughs> that's just so unbelievably obvious. Going through the stats, and I saw that Jordan Love was sixth in EPA per play involvement. I'm not really sure what that means. I think it means pl- dropbacks uh, and design scrambles. runs. Yep, yes. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. EPA, EPA connoisseur here. Thank God you're here. Um, he's sixth. Eighth is someone with significantly less expectations than Jordan Love even. Baker Mayfield, uh, who has solved everything. Like, he has saved his career. This is is the trajectory of a bust. He was a meme. Okay. He was a meme, but the trajectory of a bust is get a good opportunity somewhere. Don't get that extension. Happens all the time. Go one place where they really want you. Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Hey, we, we're, we're going to give him a shot. Sam Darnold's there. We're going to give him a shot. Uh, hopefully he can give us something, right? Yeah. And then there's one more team, and it's a team that's going, well, we don't have anybody else. And then they always fail there. Yeah. That stage, yeah. they always fail. Yeah. And then what happens next year? You go to camp with someone, you lose the job. And that's it. You're out of the league. That's it. And that's it. And then the next thing you do is you put, start tweeting about quarterback play. The net, like six months later, and you try to get on a headset. That's it. That's the life cycle <gasps> uh, of a modern quarterback. It is. And Baker Mayfield got to the stage where we said, okay, it's over. And he said, what if I played lights out? Yeah. What if I was one of the most productive quarterbacks in football? And this is important. I, Ian Rappaport had that, that, that nugget a couple of weeks ago that basically, like, he's Mr. Humble now. And I don't think it's – I think it's really hard – for that to be an act. I think it's more like football took a lot out of him. Yeah. And he came in as a first overall pick, a very cocky guy, which which works for some guys. But when you get beaten down by football, and it has over the past couple of years, he's had a couple of off-field things. Um, I'm not really sure what happened with his the finances with the, the family stuff, oh, which right. I'm sure is just, again, it's like it's one of those things where, like, you, could you could you imagine? Like, could you imagine having to file financial stuff? Where's, where's my... Hey, where's my money? That's not good to your family. Um, the Colkin, like, the Macaulay, the Colkin. Col- um, that happened to Billy Bean. It's in Moneyball. They said Billy Bean. They uh, they took his. Uh, oh, his parents did. They took his his uh, signing bonus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so big little Baker Mayfield, little second second act as a as like a forward thinking baseball GM. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the way he's been able to change the entire narrative. Oh yeah is really incredible. Yep. The most impressive thing for you about Baker Mayfield has been what? Oh man, it's getting back into what their offense does is just spreading it and shredding it. And I think Baker in Cleveland, they wanted to be more, you know, Nick Chubb heavy and a lot more play action stuff, turning back to the defense. And now you gotta remember Baker at Oklahoma was an air raid quarterback. And watching him now, I, I think they've done uh, uh, Canales there, Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator there mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. They, this is the most he's ever truly dropped back. So no play action, no screens. This is the most he's ever done at the highest rate he's ever done as a professional. And I think this is the best he's looked as a drop back passer, probably since that second, that little rookie year, six weeks of just like, oh, Baker's going to work because he gets to sit there. He gets to get some space and he gets to rip it. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to push the ball. And now he's got some awesome receivers that, you know, Mike Evans played fantastic this year. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Chris Godwin's Chris Godwin. I think they got play from other guys, Trey Palmer, Kate Otten, Rashad White's a great receiving back. Um, the offensive line is good tackles. Interior is a little iffy, mm-hmm. 
that's why the run game's not great, but it's like, this is fun. And I like that eighth rating that you, you dropped the EPA per dropback. That's kind of how it feels. This doesn't feel too fluky. Mm-hmm. It feels very boomer bust, but that's kind of how Baker does feel overall. So maybe this offense reflects Baker perfectly. And maybe that career arc, I was going to say, um, yeah, Baker went to Tampa, but not to cover a USF game. You know, he was not, not to cover you. No, he game. was not going no, to Raymond James. Thursday night. No, no not Thursday, Thursday night. night USF. Uh, since, I don't, honestly don't even know who's in that. Cover I was, I was just about to say, uh, Tulsa? It's not Cincinnati. I almost went. I almost said. I almost said Cincinnati. So I'll go Tulsa. I'm, I'm sure Tulsa's in there. Yeah. Um, I went to a USF West Virginia game to talk to Geno Smith. Oh, very fun. Uh, yeah. Very fun for the local paper. Um, all right, that was that was my only time at a USF game. Okay. I don't think. No, I never went to any of the Miami USF games. Miami lost to USF and got Randy Shannon fired. Oh. Which I thought was going to be a blessing in disguise, and it just it just wasn't. And was that Teddy 2010? Bridgewater decommitted. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. decommitted after they fired Randy, and uh, they got out of Golden. So, mm. Tough one. Tough um, all right. Uh, I have good memories next, of Raymond Your James. next guy. Uh, I Oh, man. I got I got a few. Oh, yeah. Nothing but wins there. <laughs> Plenty of them. Uh, but, oh, man. I, I, I got a couple because I know we don't want to go get too many in here. But I was just going to say young defensive slot players. That, that's a thing. Ooh. There are nine first or second year defenders that played or first or second year DBs that played 400 or more snaps in the slot. There's 14 that played 300 or more snaps in the slot. Kyle Hamilton, Brian Branch, Dion Witherspoon, Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie, D. Alford, Alante Taylor, Roger McCreer, Cater Kohu, Jaquan McMillan, Christian Isian, all players that are kind of notable for their defenses. Some, yeah. I mean, Hamilton has been one of the stars of the season because yep. he just made this whole category of him. Uh, Brian yep. Branch made the Pro Bowl. Uh, or No, no, I'm sorry. Dion Witherspoon made the Pro Bowl. Brian yep. Branch, though, had an impact moment week one, Chiefs onwards. But now I, I thought it was awesome. The All-Pro, uh, the AP announced that they're going to add the slot position to their All-Pro team. And I think that's justified because of guys like this that are used to just be a 5'9", 180-pound slot guy is now kind of becoming this multi, these versatile guys, these safeties, these maybe undersized linebackers, these corners, these big corners that couldn't stick it on the outside. They get to affect the game and be these kind of Swiss army knives. So I want to shout out all these guys because this is a new wave and it reflects what's happened in college the last five, six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. And now we're just seeing it now in the NFL as more defenses look like that in the NFL. Quickly on this one, Kyle Hamilton does what to that Ravens defense? Unlocks it. And that mm. that is he opens that whole thing up. Hey man, Roquan Smith. But uh mm. but Kyle Hamilton's versatility, he could line up at the line of scrimmage as a linebacker in the slot as a deep safety and truly be a plus player. Um, like truly be a good winning player at all those spots as opposed to just lining up there for fun. So he he unlocks the whole thing because his versatility, be able to guard a receiver on one snap, blitz, do all those things, lets them have their kind of kaleidoscopic uh defensive scheme that they want to do. I said this on the pod with Deontay Lee when he came on a couple weeks ago, but I am now fully linebacker and safety build. Yes. I'm fully middle of the field build. Yes. Spine. My whole thing, I, all I wanted to do was have defensive linemen over and over. That's all I would do is draft defensive mm-hmm. linemen on day one and day two, and then just figure the rest out later. And now I'm like, actually, give me give me linebacker. Spine. Everybody but corner and wide receivers. There's like Those you can four linebackers right now. It's it's a thing. I know. So it's like get them. Just get all of them. Let's <laughs> get them if you can. No, I've told. I, I think uh, true. Watch what Jesse Bates has done, leaving the Bengals defense and now going to the Falcons defense. Bengals defense is one of the worst in the league this year. They've had moments in the red zone, and the Falcons defense is one of the most improved in the entire NFL. And Bates is probably the big reason because of that because it's just what he does on the back end. Jesse Bates is awesome. 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 I, I, just, I, I know the Bengals knew that, but they just didn't 
have the money and they or they didn't want to have the money and then they did they have all, a plan like, they, like which i will they like, had a plan yeah they, they they replaced him yeah they replaced him and i and, and listen if joe burrow is healthy we might be having a totally. completely different conversation yes. about this we might say well they were able to get over the loss of jesse bates like i really do believe if he was healthy never had the calf injury the Bengals wouldn't super bowl like i feel oh. like that roster that coaching staff we're going to look back what on the this moment in time yeah it's yeah well i mean and i then, just remember and i've told the story before like when i was in cincinnati two years ago doing the whole thing on burrow and and somebody turned off my tape recorder and said you don't like this is not this is a special group of offensive players and we're going to look back on this and be like holy crap in 10 years and be like chase and higgins and boyd were on those contracts on this team and like that was you know like anyway that's 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 it that's even another day (laughs) it's like yeah yeah, yes yes and joe burrow yeah and joe burrow yeah and yeah (laughs) yeah um all right i'm gonna shout out i'm gonna shout out i just just this is a results oriented business i don't want to get in trouble with the uh the nfl pa sean payton being eight and eight going into week 18 is one of the best in-season turnarounds i've ever seen and best year over year like that was a joke team last year yeah and then they start september and they're still a joke team and I think that, I mean, and a lot of times in this era, you've coached in it. But I remember uh, when I was doing the Ring Around NFL show with, with, with Robert Mays, I'd said uh, 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 defense was, was crappy. And somebody, a GM, called me. And he said, what I, he was, I, I thought he was being mad at me, kind of was. But then he said, the thing you need to understand is in modern defense, if you're putting something together on the fly, it is not, this is not 1996 anymore. You, there are defenses that will start awful in September and by November will click. And yep. it might just be like kind of what you're talking about. One player unlocks the defense yep. on the back end. One pass rusher we're given more reps to, and all of a sudden he's in the backfield every play and it's changing. You know, so there's, there's uh, just a quick little scheme thing. Yep. And I've always thought about that. The, the evolution of defense yeah. in the middle of the season is probably, I would guess, and you know ball fall more, far more than me, significantly more than the offense, unless there's, there's yep. injuries. The, the defense evolves totally. It's, but, it's- it's the it's the units that are the are greater than the sum of their parts, and that's offensive line yeah. and defense. Those are the ones that need time because they need communication. They need to get on the same page, especially all these defenses. They now. need con- they practice contact. Yes, in a lot of cases. Oh yeah, yeah, that as well. Tackling and blocking. Yes, the most fundamental yeah. stuff as possible. And also just um, yeah, you got to figure out the right pieces. This guy goes here. I would always yeah. look, and I think Steve Spagnuolo is usually the guy to always look at is pre bye week and post bye week. Because the bye mm-hmm. week is the big reset button for, the, especially the, for the good staffs. They self scout. They get some time, take a deep breath. They go, okay, every time this guy is at the slot, we suck. All right, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Look at what the 49ers did. They signed Isaiah Oliver, who I liked. He was in the slot, kind of wasn't. All right, are, are we good there? Okay, so they bumped Diamondo uh, Diamondador Lenore back into the slot, and that's mm-hmm. really helped the whole defense and Chase Young uh, following their bye week, but different offenses different defenses do that so i I think that's exactly it sean i mean the offense is wonky but i i've called this team a a jiu-jitsu team they just get you on the ground they grind it out and also they win and they they get you in like a finger hold toe hold and so the (laughs) the reason i i after they lost i think it was after the 70 point game i said sean payton doesn't seem into this this team seems much further away than i anticipated And I said, I said on this show, I said, this whole thing is over unless they get a top two pick. 
This whole thing is over. I literally counted them out, which I never do. But you wouldn't have a proof of concept. Giving up 70 points is a proof of some sort of concept. And so I looked at it and I just said, this is on the wrong track and it's not getting on the right track. And so for them to be able, obviously, I'm going to shout out Vance Joseph here, who was who orchestrated it, who was able to pressure, get get the pressures Mm -hmm. uh, where they needed to be. Um, That's a remarkable in season turnaround to get this team to eight wins after Hackett. I mean, Hackett really was probably the worst coach I've I've ever seen. It was just the the worst environment I've seen just as far as coaching, quarterback play, just everything going on there. And people were like, well, some people were like, well, he hired his buddy from college and that he was like his, his buddy from college was the strategy guy right like and that's that's what's got oh, the whole thing right. unraveled and i'm just like okay well you know what don't do that don't <laughs> hire your buddy from college to be the strategy guy don't don't do that um and so i just think that there's uh them being at this stage in their rebuild shows me and this is what impresses me shows me that peyton is into this that he's building something is it going to be a team that catches the chiefs probably not anytime soon but they'll fix the quarterback thing. They're going to have to take their medicine with the Russell Wilson contract. But I also think, like, I really, I'm surprised. I, I think it's a little slimy what they did to Wilson. I'm not surprised they did it. I actually yeah. said it in September, late September. And I think, I'm sure I wasn't the only one where it's like, he has his injury guarantees. At some point, they're going to sit him. I didn't think they were going to say, hey, waive your injury guarantees or we're going to we're going to bench you. That's a little slimy to me. I think one day you just say, okay, I'm, you're, you're not playing anymore. And everybody will get it. They'll have to take their medicine on the cap. But- I don't think that this is this is no longer a doomed project, which is right. uh, it's like an arrested development. We're now we're now don't buy instead of sell on the stock. It, um, it, that's and, and I think that's important. It, it's yeah, I, I think when they paid him what they paid him, they were saying you have rank here. And that's why it, it was interesting to me that I was like, oh, man, he's going to have some pride in this. And they spent free agency. I was like, oh, they're moving up for guys in the draft. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. he's. He's into this. They're they're pushing it. And then, like you said, the first six weeks happened. I had them as – I picked him as my dark horse for coach of the year, and I had them as the seventh seed in the playoffs. And now they started the season. I was like, boy, do I look dumb. And, <laughs> and I'm watching them on tape. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know, guys. This defense can't guard anybody. I love Sertan. He's one of the best players in the league. But the rest mm-hmm. of this is rough. And they have players too. Guys have a lot of pride. And I think mm-hmm. they, of course, had a lot, of, a lot of pride on defense. I also think Sean Payton also was like, got that kind of competitive itch again. And he was like, really? He was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, actually, I, I do like this. I do want to get part of this. I do want to do all this. And I'm curious. They were one of the most fascinating teams this offseason because of, obviously, the Russell Wilson stuff, but also the pivot points they could take. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Sean Payton wants to do like a whole rebuild thing. So how aggressive are they mm-hmm. getting to find a quarterback? It's going to be really interesting because they could be, yeah, they could be a, a sneaky – I would say a sneaky team, but a very interesting team this offseason, a very active team this offseason. Also, Sean Payton's good with quarterbacks. I don't think oh, he's forgotten. I th- yeah. Um, he turned Taysom Hill into oh, someone. And then paid him. <laughs> and then paid him. And then paid him. That was the, that was the original <laughs> sin. Um, not to spoil anything if you're doing this with Mays, but um, who is your coach of the year? Oh, I just wrote about it. Uh, Sean McVay. Oh. oh. And which is also a transition into my next one, which is Sean McVay, Les Snead, and the, oh! the entire Rams organization. Uh, I love this. Just everything, everything they did, uh, nailing draft picks, non-first rounders. I mean, top down Byron Young. I mean, a bunch of guys, Kobe Turner, uh, Byron Young, Kobe Turner are enough for a draft hall. And on top of it, they got starting guard. That's fantastic. Steve Avila. Uh, I mean, they just done so much good stuff, uh, development of undrafted free agents. Uh, Michael Hoyt has been one of my favorite kind of like those guys 
of the season. Just this mm-hmm. former Ivy League Canadian guy uh, has undrafted free agent has slowly developed. He's dropping in the coverage at 310 pounds. He's getting after the passer. They they are again another team that's on defense. They got rid of Jalen Jalen Ramsey, but they found a kind of greater than some of their parts kind of thing. Okay, we're not going to be amazing, but we're going to make it hard at least on offenses. And then what this whole offense did, uh, I mean, they revamped the whole offensive line. They moved guys around. They benched guys. They leaned in the Kyron Williams. They said, no, this guy's something. Matthew Stafford has been playing on freaking fire this entire year. And then Puka Nakua was my offensive rookie of the year going into this week because just what he's doing statistically and what he's doing on the field. I think he's legitimately good. People are kind of just cropping him. It was like, ah, he's a... Fan, a really good for fantasy. He's a nice story. Fifth rounder. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. he's legit freaking good. He's an awesome blocker, great receiver, great runner. Cooper Cup was hurt for some of this year, a good chunk of this mm-hmm. year, and they still were clicking on offense. Um, I, I just think everything this team did, especially what they looked like last year when they kind of just went, oh, yeah, we're going to sign Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson, whatever. Yeah. Run it back. And then now this offensive identity change they've had, this, this what they're doing on defense with Raheem Morris as well. He should get a shout out. Um, bringing in, um, Mike LaFleur, offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. just they they really looked at themselves. They really just were like, hey, we got to change this. That's a lot of work to do and a lot of self-confidence to have that. And from week one onwards against Seattle, they looked the part and now they're in the playoffs. And so I, they have to get a shout out because they've been awesome this entire year. So I think because McVeigh's original miracle was seven years ago now wow. that we've forgotten that he is – a miracle worker, the guy like that. <laughs> nobody, I, I really think that and I know this, like, I'm so tired of people being like, nobody's talking about this, but like Jared Goff stunk. He really stunk under Jeff Fisher. It's terrible. He was like as bad. I, I haven't checked the Bryce young numbers, but I think he was the second worst rookie. Golf was the second yeah. worst rookie. It's always like him, Rosen. And like, yeah, was, uh, Alex Smith, was Alex Smith was bad. For a while. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew Walters actually Walter. I swear to God, was in the mix. There. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not what's his name? Uh, Gabbert. Gabbert, yeah, Gabbert, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabbert has some. Yeah, I think ones. I think Gabbert, I think Gabbert was closer to the middle than those fellas. They, they, there's some grim ass numbers. Yeah. Um, I, was, I had Alex Smith on the show a couple of years ago, and he was like, "Took me like years to get over my first start." Oh, okay. Um, like I mean, I, sometimes you get drafted in bad environments yes. and bad things happen. So McVeigh is a miracle worker, and then he works a miracle, and everybody goes, "Whoa, check out McVeigh! Right. This is what he does." Yeah. This is exactly what he does. Or even when they traded for Stafford, everyone's like, I don't know. Why would you do that to run like that offense and everything? It's like, yeah, he changed that entire offense because he gets it. He understands what he has. It's like some of these guys just get it and they just understand personnel and are, are confident. I don't know. They just, I don't know. They, I, they've taken me by so surprised. They, their win total going in the year was six and a half. They, their cap, dead cap was the second highest in the league. It was, it's this team just looked like, ah, whatever, shrugged shoulders year. Let's see what we got with some of these young guys. Well, they got good things with the young guys and some of the old guys, Stafford, Cup a little bit, Cupper's always older than you think. Aaron Donald are still awesome. So, yeah, shout out to them. They, they, cause that, that took, that takes a lot to do that. And the fact that it has results is awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Nate Tice, all impressive team. I love this. Enjoy life with your boy. We'll be texting about it. You as well. Athletic. Football show, Yahoo Sports column, must read, must listen. See you, buddy. Thanks. Thank you so much.